Amen. Determination keeping our focus. Uh, being in Key West and ministering over the last 32 years, I think this past May was 32 years I've been here, um, God has taught me a lot about determination. I figure I'm an expert in the, in the realm of determination. <laughs> uh, maybe not, but a person, uh, uh, you know what an expert is anyway, right? Uh, an ex is a has-been and a spurt is a drip under pressure. Praise the Lord. So it has been drip under pressure anyway. But anyway, uh, I wrote some things down because there's a difference in determination. What I'm going to talk about this morning is not sheer stubbornness. I have that too, <laughs> as I'm sure some of you do also. But what I'm talking about is a determination when you see the plan of God, whether you see it unfold the way you think you should see it unfold or not, you knowing that it's God behind it. And that brings encouragement, that brings a boost to our faith, and it just it hooks us up with him in a level that most people don't understand sometimes. But it does, it hooks us into another level of what God has given to us. I want to talk about those things this morning. Determination, that word determination in the dictionary is defined this way, firmness of purpose. I don't know about you, but God has given me a purpose, and I'm excited about it. Amen? Amen? Wasn't always that way. Uh, when I first heard that, I'm not from Key West originally. I wasn't, in other words, I wasn't born here and raised here. Uh, um, I, was, I was enjoying myself, and I was part of a church. I was an elder in a church up in Deerfield Beach, Florida. Had a house a block from the beach. I'm a scuba diver, so it was really nice. I, and we just, I just enjoy, was enjoying life. Minding my own business one day, and God spoke to my heart about going into the ministry, becoming a minister. I went to my pastor and elder and and they agreed that this was definitely what God, was God's bid. And uh, I tried in Boynton Beach. We started a church one time, and, and uh, I went to my pastor. I said, this doesn't seem to be working out. And he said to me, he said, did you ever think about the Florida Keys? I said, yeah. I think about the Florida Keys. Why don't I want to go fishing, diving, or anything else? Other than that, I don't think about the Florida Keys. It's that little string of islands off the tip of Florida. And uh, so he says, well, he said, maybe you ought to uh, take a ride down there and see if God speaks to you. And I did. I came down with another pastor to make sure it wasn't just me. And uh, we went down, and I went, you know, all the way down the Keys until we got to, and, uh, nothing, nothing moved me as far as, okay, we have a nice ride. Can we go home now? <laughs> About my attitude to again the Key West. Then all of a sudden, God began to speak to my heart about this, this island. I don't know what it is about Key West. If you look at the exterior, you think it's about the furthest thing from God's heart. But I'm standing here as a testimony over the last 30 years. That is not true. Something about this place, God has a, a, a dream about this place. God has a, a, a vision for, for Key West that Key West has known nothing about. Praise the Lord. And since then, we've been here ever since. We have also, in Covenant Word Church, we have a global vision. So that means from the Key West airport, because I hate driving to Miami. I'm sorry, but I don't like, I don't like the roads going up there. <laughs> so I get on an airplane, and from, the, from Key West Airport, I have flown to places like West Africa, uh, South America, you name it, we've been there, and, 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 and begin to minister because we also have an international ministry. I also have connections and, and family members and ties in Israel and different things like that. So we've been around the world uh, from this little two-by-four island, this little spit of a piece of land here that God has a heart for, and I cannot, for life of me, it wasn't my first choice. But what happened, something happened over the years, and as I begin to give determination, because I was not going to let God down, as far as I'm concerned, Key West is like any other town as far as I'm concerned, but the fact is, my God is special to me. I want a heart for towards Him, and I want to listen to what He has to say. 
I remember getting discouraged one time. This is a couple of years into the ministry that we started here. I asked God one time, I says, I says, I says can I go someplace else, please? <laughs> I see, you know, uh, North Carolina's nice this time of year, or South Carolina, you know, or there by the buckle of the Bible belt someplace. Seems like a pretty good place. God told me this. He said, you can go any place you want and I'll bless it. And then it was a kind of a silence. But, he said, but if you're asking me what I want, he said, I'd like you to take, take a stand right here. And here we are 32 years later, we're still standing here. Praise the Lord. In those 32 years, there have been literally, literally, we have it on record, thousands of people that have come through this church. And we've laid hands on, we've ministered to, we've, 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 we've given the word, whatever it is. But God has t brought people to our front door. So when I talk about Robert and Stacy uh, up in uh, Panama City, they got a big church up in Panama City. They've been ministering for years like we have. When they come here on a cruise ship, it was almost timely. Like God had said, no, this is time for Robert to come down. Go ahead, host him in your church. And, 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 and we, we, we were elated last week. And the things that he laid out in prophetic, um, you know, in prophetic substance, we're going to be digesting for the next, well, I don't know, months probably uh, as we're going over it. So praise the Lord. I'll get more information on that. So this morning I want to talk about uh, what real determination uh, comes when we, stop, when we stop being impressed with the size of our problem. Real determination comes when we, when we stop being impressed with the size of our enemy. I could put it that way. The size of our problem, the size of the task at hand. Though Key West has been small for me, population at the time I came here was almost 30,000. I think it's around 26,000 now, uh, population of city limits of Key West. Our church is outside the city limits of Key West. I live in the city of Key West, uh, limits of city Key West. It doesn't look like much as far as uh, spiritually. But I know this, it took determination, but not my determination, not a bold stubbornness, which my wife will tell you of 51 years that uh, I do have a tendency to have that streak. Uh, anybody here can say amen? They have a amen. stubborn streak. Amen. Yeah, Saray, you're the loudest. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but it, it's more than that. It's not just what I want, but it's what, what God has on his heart that he reveals to us in increments a lot of times that keeps us going. I don't care about what I can produce for myself. I'm not looking for a name for myself uh, or anything else or to become famous or any, or any of that. Uh, key question, I'm going to be doing it anyway, but, it, but the fact is, is, is I, I want to, uh, my heart is towards God to see that if he has something on his heart and he wants me to do something according to his heart, I want to be there. And I don't want to be such a person that would give up and wimp out on the least little thing, uh, a least little trouble or problem, and use it for an excuse to see, well, I guess God has pulled it off of it. I guess he doesn't want me to do that. We're good at that, aren't we? Uh, the church is very good at that, finding excuses on why not to do something. It's a little bit harder to find excuses to do something that doesn't seem to go our way. Am I talking to anybody in this church this morning or just myself? Hallelujah. But uh, so I want to talk about that kind of determination. Hopefully this morning you can walk away with something that's solid between you and Jesus that can be a determining, uh, that bring a determination of a, pro of, a, of a situation that he's having you press towards and then go for it for all the things that you have. Amen? Praise the Lord. 
So I want to. So real determination comes when we stop or stop uh, being uh, stop by being impressed by the size of our enemy or our problem, and hook up with the size of our God. How many know? No matter what you have going on, God is still bigger. I want to hook up with something bigger than myself. I want to hook up with something bigger than my ideas and my ideals. I want to hook up with something bigger than what I have been able to figure out in this little bit of brain of mine. Okay, I want to go hook up with something even bigger that goes beyond that more than we can ask or think. Amen? Praise the Lord. Asking and thinking is our, pro- our side of it, but God says, I'm beyond what you can ask or think. So I'm gonna, we want to tap into, into that. Now, we're not talking about self-determination, because, uh, but a determination uh, to hold fast the will of God of kingdom purposes. Determination then becomes a product of our faith. Are you thinking through the scriptures this morning? What happens is faith doesn't come from being determined. Faith is the root cause of determination. So when we want to, uh, I can say for word uh, determination, I can say persistence. We're persistent. But that persistence doesn't, persistence doesn't come because we will it to come. Uh, this, this is the persistence that goes above, or, or de, a determination that goes above uh, us in what we would think reasonable. How many have an idea what is reasonable and what is not reasonable? Okay? But God goes beyond our reasoning because that is something that's capsulated within our brain. Amen? And he goes beyond our brain. Everybody says, thank God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Jesus taught a parable. I want to go there this morning. So if you've got your Bible with you, uh, analog version or electronic version, if you have it on a phone, all good. Praise the Lord. We accept all of it. Praise the Lord. Uh, in this church, we believe the Bible from the table of contents clear to the maps. <laughs> it is all relevant. It is all God's word. This is what we believe here. Uh, thus the name covenant word church. Praise the Lord. And um, I... I, I, I I, I use the name of our church quite a bit around town. It's amazing how the world wants to keep calling it Covenant World Church. But it's not World Church, it's Word Church. because uh, The world is, is just a small part of what God uh, is all about. Luke chapter 18, if you remember the story. How I many know Jesus taught in parables, and he did this quite a bit. And he says this, he says this in Matthew 13, he says it in Matthew 18 and 23. But he, Jesus taught in parables for a reason. Get this. He taught in parables so that only those who had a heart for him would come to the understanding of them. I'm going to say that again. It's a pretty good statement. Jesus taught in parables so that only those who had a heart for him would come to understand them. In other words, the parables was Jesus' heavenly code language. <laughs> and the understanding had become, when we have our heart towards the Lord, then all of a sudden the parable begins under, comes to understanding. As I've read the parables in this book for years and years and years, uh, it's amazing to me and how many I can read parables or just scripture in general, and how many can get new revelation on something that seems to be read over and over and over again. And it's so ancient old, but see, it still speaks to us, doesn't it? It speaks to every generation. It speaks to everything that we are. It speaks to everything that we're not. It, it, but it, it, the, the word just speaks. I do this. I don't know what you do, but I sit down and I'll read verses of Scripture. Sometimes I'll just pick them out of the air and just read verses of Scripture. But what I do, I keep reading until something jumps off the page and grabs a hold of me. Amen. And that's what we need to do because that's when he speaks. As we begin to, to, to read, I say it this way, I read until he talks. 
And this is what we do. This is how we do the prepare messages. What we do uh, anything uh, we do. Uh, so this is one of these uh, parables that Jesus that I was lit, uh, praying about and, and going through this week. Anyway, parable, Luke chapter eighteen. If you're in there, if you found your Bible and uh, you found it in there, uh, verse one says this. And he spoke, talking about Jesus, a parable to them that men ought to pray and not lose heart. Okay. So we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna assume that this parable that he's talking about has to do with prayer, correct? I mean, he mentions the word prayer. Well, let me show you something. Let's see what, how it, looks out. it works out. And he's in verse 2 saying, There was a certain city and a judge who did not fear God nor regarded man. Now there was a widow in the city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me and my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, though I do not fear God or regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continually coming she worries me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge says, and shall the Lord God not avenge his own elect who cry out to him day and night, though he bears long with them. And what happens is we stop there, in the parable, this is what I was taught a lot of times, and from that we determined that our prayer language and our amount of prayer that we pray uh, finally wears down God to where he answers us. I don't know if you came out of religion like I did, but that's usually the, the, the thing going forward. So this parable now becomes about prayer. Are you ready for something different this morning? Uh, let me show you what the angle says, and I'll give you get the last scripture in a minute. Let's go ahead. For one thing, now there's a widow. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17, Jeremiah chapter 22 and verse, 30, uh, uh, verse 3 talks about how widows and orphans are to be treated under biblical terms. They're not to be snubbed off by anybody. Of course, we, you know, we're talking about an unjust judge. This is what makes him unjust because he has no regard for the word of God. He has no regard for anything of God. So this is not a type of the father. This is as far away as you can get from the father in this whole process. Now, she wasn't praying to the Lord, Lord, do something with this judge. She didn't pray at all. Uh, that we see in this parable, what Jesus is saying, this widow just kept coming to him and coming to him. And she, more or less, maybe her presence, maybe her appearance, maybe her what she said to this judge, this judge drew the conclusion that this woman is not going to give up. She's not going to give up until she gets justice for herself. So she's going to keep on coming and keep on coming and keep on coming. So him being afraid of his time being consumed or something inconvenienced for him go ahead, went ahead and granted it. So we have a type of word. Now, I said all this, coming back down to this, in verse 8, the last verse of this parable, Jesus makes this statement, bold statement. So he gives the parable, talks about the widow, talks about the unjust judge, who has no regard for man, no regard for, for uh, the law, because he'd find that in Isaiah, uh, in Jeremiah. So he has no re regard for that whatsoever. And Jesus said this, he said, nevertheless, this is, this is at the end of the prayer, nevertheless, will the son of, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? Now, you notice he didn't say when the Son of Man comes, will he find anybody praying? He didn't say that. 
He said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? What Jesus was connecting to, this whole story that he was connecting to, here's the underlying thing. Those that have a heart for the Lord would understand this, that Jesus is coming, and what he's looking for, after giving this parable, he's not looking for prayer warriors, per se. He's looking for people with faith. So what happens, he's saying this widow woman, which wasn't even mentioned during the parable, this widow woman was coming as a, as a sign of her faith. In other words, she would not give up on the righteous or the unrighteous or anybody because of her faith. Not her prayer consistent praying, because sometimes we're proud of being such prayer warriors that we keep on praying and praying and praying until we see results. And we do that here. I mean, nothing wrong with that in our prayer. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, what about their faith? So I made a determination based on what Jesus said. He says, when the Son of Man comes, that's talking about himself, when Jesus comes here where we're at, will he find faith in the earth? When he says earth, he's talking about this uh, thing we're standing on right now. It spins around. Heaven is heaven, earth is earth. When he says earth, he's talking about this realm, this physical realm we live in. So when Jesus comes and visits this physical realm that we live in, is he going to find faith? He didn't say he's going to find people praying. People pray all over time, all over the place. I mean, we have all kinds of prayers. We have prayers in front of idols. We have prayers in front of with beads. We have prayers, all kinds of prayers going on. He's not talking about the type of prayer. He said, we're going to find faith. What Jesus is looking for, he's not looking for the amount of prayer time you put, though we should be praying because that's our communication with God. What he is looking for, he's looking for faith. So with that said, can I say this, that our determination to press forth, to see the kingdom of God come in whatever situation we are, it's going to take faith. So our determination is birthed from our faith. Our determination doesn't cause our faith. You can do something over and over and over again, and I'll guarantee you it won't do anything for your faith. You can go to church and go to church all your life, and you can go to church and you can sit. You can be like a money changer. You know what a money changer is. Come and take, they'll put nothing in. Okay, and they take and it won't change your life one bit. But walk through the door of a church and come in and say, this is the morning. I've made a determination. I'm going to meet God right now. I'm going to, he's in that place. He promised me in his word. I'm going to press in to his presence, and I'm going to stand in the presence of God this morning. I'm going to come in, and I'm going to have the privilege of rejoicing with other people, other saints, that lift up his name on high. And I'm going to determine, I don't care what tries to keep me out, I'm determined I'm going to be there, and I'm going to determine to do what he says. Now what happens, that's a determination, not for something that you necessarily want at the time or tickles your fancy, but that is a, a determination that is set in the purpose in the kingdom of God because the Bible says, don't forsake the assembly together. And it's to do that even more when you see the day approaching. So Jesus' day approaching, he says this, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, that's the day approaching. So how many know when Jesus approaches, and it's closer now than it's ever been, any other generation... We don't know when. No man knows the day or the hour. Anybody tells you it's stupid, don't read the Bible, or just trying to sell advertisement on YouTube. I don't know, whatever it is. But the fact is, no man knows the day or the hour. But Jesus said that day is coming. He said when he comes, we find faith. Because that faith is what fuels your determination never to give up. Never, ever, ever give up. Praise the Lord. I remember during the pandemic, uh, um, it was our governor of the state of Florida who said, no, he said, churches, uh, synagogues, and house of worship were essential businesses. Thank God. And not only that, they were calling, the state was calling us about our daycare center, the Lighthouse Christian Academy. 
They said, you are going to stay open. We need our daycare centers open. That is an essential business. And basically, during that time, we watched first responders, children, police, uh, hospital employees, and different things. We were watching. The, the, and God had protected us through that whole thing for two years. Protected us. He watched over us. He watched over us. A little girl came, and her mother got COVID from a, 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 a restaurant. Uh, she was a waiter, waitress at a restaurant, brought her home, and her little girl got it. Didn't know it until a couple of days later, so the little girl's playing around. You know how kids are, and they share toys that come out of their mouth and all this other stuff. About as, you know, <laughs> our, our staff works hard to send, just keeping sanitation, <laughs> sanitizing everything, keeping everything clean. Uh, this is what it, and you would think, according to the reports, that that would just infect our center like something. Not one person, not one teacher, not one other child got it. Not one other child got it. Amen? But we confess this, and, and we confess that God put the blood over the doorpost in the name of Jesus. The death angel stays out in Jesus' name. We declare the deliverance of God. Amen? So determination is something that we all have in one shape or form or another. But I notice this. In myself, I'm more determined when there's something I want to do. My wife and I, uh, uh, believe it or not, us old people, we are avid scuba divers. I've been an avid scuba diver for over 35 years. I mean, we just this is what I like to do. And our, and our favorite sport and our favorite activity is deep wreck diving. This is what I like. And, uh, and this is it. We have gone out literally in all kinds of conditions you can think of. Uncomfortable conditions, uh, uh, high seas conditions. Uh, I figure this way: if the dive boat's leaving the dock, it must be safe because I always charter. I don't, I don't drive my own boat. I charter. As a, it must be okay. And we've seen conditions after conditions. We are out this past Wednesday, and there's an algae bloom going on right now. So we get down on our wreck in our favorite dive site, and we see about 10 feet in front of us. But I've seen the same wreck when there was a hundred foot plus of visibility in front of us. We'll say, well, that's a good day. No, it's all your determination. I'm determined I'm going to have fun no matter what the conditions are because the conditions don't tell me what kind of, how, to, how to dive. It doesn't tell me what kind of day I'm going to have. It doesn't tell me what fish I'm going to see or take pictures of. That's what I do. Amen? Praise the Lord. So, so it doesn't tell me that. But I can determine within myself, and this has nothing to do with God. This is my own self-stubborn determination. And my wife will look at me sometimes and says, you think this is going to be a good day? This is going to be a great day. <laughs> Do I know? No, I'm confessing it by faith. <laughs> this is the one day off I have, and it's going to be a great day. When I step off the back of that boat, guess what? We're going down. Praise the Lord. And we're going to have a good time. It's amazing how many times God has spoke to me um, at 130 foot of water. I mean, 30, you get that, those atmospheres, you know, pressure. Anyway, praise the Lord. <laughs> but we, we determine that's not the same determination I'm talking about as for the church because basically a church in the environment that we live in here I can come up with a thousand and one probably two thousand excuses by now why we shouldn't be here I could think of, of thousands of excuses why none of us should be here I could go off and sail off into the sunset go enjoy retirement whatever that is I don't know what that means but uh, uh, I guess I'll sit and do nothing but I, 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 that's not me my determination is this thing because God has something, has this city on his heart, so do I. I'm determined within myself because my faith in God dictates to me I'm going to press forward. 
How many know what Jesus, Jesus said this, I'm going to get, get into this in a minute, but Jesus said, he said, he mentioned in the Bible three leavens. You remember see that in the, in the parables about three leavens? You know what leaven is? How many know what a leaven is? Well, if you're talking about a, to a baker, you're talking about a piece of dough. They put yeast in the dough and they mix it all in. Got to be mixed. If you don't mix it, just sits there as a lump, maybe one little thing will pop out and that's about it. But to mix it and make bread, to mix the, and then what happens, it affects the whole entire lump, they call a lump, uh, uh, to rise. When it's baked, it becomes bread. It comes, the bread that you like, you know, whatever, the white bread, wonder bread. Jesus mentioned three different kinds of leaven in the scriptures. I'll give you the scriptures for sake of time, not each reference. Matthew chapter 16, verse 6, Jesus said unto them, Take hold, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That's leaven number one. Mark 8, 15, he charged them, he said, Take heed of the, again, the Pharisees, but he said, the leaven of Herod. That's political. That's political. The third leaven he talks about is kind of unusual. Matthew chapter 13, 33. He says, another parable he spoke unto him, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Now he's talking about the kingdom of heaven being leaven. Wait a minute. I know what the leaven means when he talks about Herod's leaven. That's a, a leaven. Oh, let me give you a good definition. Leaven is an influence in the way we're thinking. So leaven is an influence of the way we think. So what he says, watch out for the leaven of Herod. What would that say to you today? Amen? That would be say, well, okay, uh, King Herod, political, and this is the leaven that we, be careful of, of your political thoughts. So I'm going to take authority over my political thoughts. Everybody has an opinion. And, and, uh, like they used to say, opinions like belly buttons, everybody got one. But uh, it doesn't ever mean anything. But the fact is, I have a political opinion, but I'm not letting that gauge. Pharisees and Sadducees is amazing. He lumps those two together, but they're two different groups. The Pharisees were the religious leaders. They had the law down, talked about the law of Moses, but the Sadducees were the lawyers of the same law. Now, the Sadducees didn't believe in the eternal life. Pharisees did. They did not. But the two of them worked together in conjunction, and the two of them together made up what we could call religious spirit. And that religious spirit works both of them together. One's got the word and the law, and the other has the legal legalities of it, and so on and so forth the do's and don'ts of what you should do, what you shouldn't do. And, and I, I was brought up in that. And I was good at the do's and don'ts. I didn't smoke. I didn't chew. I didn't go with girls that do. Remember that? Praise the Lord. And, and, and I, I knew all how to, how, to, how to go to church and how to look perfect. Amen? But get me on a job site someplace because my background is construction. Get me on a, back, get me on a job site someplace and I'd fight you at a drop of a hat. Well, there's a good witness. <laughs> this is, you know, so, so these both things conflicted in there. And Jesus was saying, he said, beware of that leaven or that mindset. Beware of that influence in our thinking that would cause us to do one thing one time but be a total opposite the next. But then he mixes this. This is what he said. This is the one that's baffling sometimes. He said, he said the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Now he shifts the mindset. In other words, here's the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. What we're doing, we're coming together, and we're leaven. I'm talking about the kingdom leaven now. Look at your neighbor and say, you're leaven. I knew there's something yeasty about you. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're just you're poking in there and just rising things up. Praise the Lord. You know what you know, gets, you know, get, I, I don't know. My wife used to bake bread all the time because we were too poor to buy it. 
That's the truth. And uh, so I had homemade bread every day because it was cheaper at the time. I'm dating myself now, I'll go back 50 years or so. Uh, she could bake a, a loaf of bread for 12 cents, but it was like 50 cents in the grocery store. Now I'm really dating myself. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But uh, so, so th this is what, so, so she used to bake bread. And she used to take this thing. And we lived up north where it was cold. And basically what happens if you want to get bread to rise, the dough to rise, is you stick that something next to a heat source. If you want Christians to rise, get them where it's hot. We're in the southernmost city of the United States. Don't get much out. I'm talking about terror. But how about the Holy Ghost fire and push, push buttons and tell you exactly where your leaven's at? All right, moving right along. Praise the Lord. I said that, Lord. Thank you. you I, I, I checked that box. Praise the Lord. But more than that, what happens with leaven, I watched my wife do this. She sticks it in the dough. She mixes it all up. And the leaven goes through the whole entire loaf. The kingdom of God, what Jesus is saying is in a parable, the kingdom of the kingdom of the leaven of the kingdom, I'll get it out, yeah. The leaven of the kingdom is like this. We influence, not here at church, we influence every place we go in the world. We're mixed in with the rest of the world. And this is what it, this is what, what it talks to be. So what happens? What seems to become what becomes the problem? How come we don't see the supernatural like we should be seeing it in our churches? How come we're not seeing these different things happen? What hap what happened in this particular situation? Well, let me give you Isaiah chapter thirty-five. Isaiah chapter thirty-five and verse four and six says this: Say to those who are fearful in heart, fearful in heart, those are the ones that tremble before the enemy, tremble before problems are scared of this, afraid of that, and scared of the other thing. He said, say to them who are fearful at heart, be strong and do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance and with recompense of God, and he will come and save you. Then he says in verse 5, listen to this, then the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. What Isaiah is saying, he says, by an act of our will, we cannot be fearful at heart. God said the same thing to, uh, to um, Joshua before he went into the promised land. He said, be, be strong, do not fear, be of good courage. How many know that? All those different things he's talking about. And what happens is basically fear has three different characteristics to it. And this is what's the hindering to what we're moving forward. Number one, the one main characteristic, this is more characteristic than this, but I, give, I come up with three of them. Three of them, fear will masquerade as wisdom. Fear will look like it's smart and wise. Praise the Lord. Amen? It'll look like wisdom. It'll look like that, well, it just looks like it's why. Well, I think this is the best thing to do. This is wisdom. I'm going to go, go with this. Number two, fear will attract any information needed to legitimize itself. And three, fear will reinforce itself as being smart or being what, what, is, what is dumb. But he's saying fear is the one thing that we need to come against. If we can come against fear, if we can stop the fear then guess what? We can move forward with the things of God and our, and our determination will now change. It will shift to a different dimension to where it's not just about our stubbornness, but it's about our, our commitment to the Lord. Help anybody this morning. All right, praise the Lord. <clears throat> when we approach a challenge that requires determination, we must approach it from an identity. Here's another thing. The identity that we have is the identity of Christ. If we approach this from our smarts, our wisdom, from what we have, we're approaching it from an inferior uh, angle. And when we try to cling to the inferior, 
we end up missing God almost every time. But instead of that, he said, we come from the, what we need to do is come from the identity what God has made us. What did he make us? He made us kings and priests. He made us sons and daughters. When we come from that dimension of kings and priests and sons and daughters, we come from a place now of power, not of weakness. We come from a place now of strength, not of just mundane uh, 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 of existence. Well, you know, some people do and some people don't. Some people are just lucky, I guess. Well, don't go there, praise the Lord. We don't serve Alaka. <laughs> that was an Egyptian god. Praise the Lord. We serve the one true God. But when we come from that, then what happens, a determination begins to build up inside of us. Amen? I like what Paul says in Romans. Romans chapter 8, he says, For I am persuaded. Take that one phrase out of verse 38. He says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I'm persuaded. Let me ask you this morning something. Are you persuaded? Are you persuaded that the love of God has that capability to keep you from angels, principalities, and powers? Those are spiritual realms. Things present or things to come. That's the things we cannot see that blindside us. Height or depth, again, things that we don't really understand. Or other created things, or other creative things. Now we get to the creative things. That's the things that live right here in the earth. Can we say, in, in without reservation, that the, that that persuasion? Now, when we let me give you to another point. It says, "Will not separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus." That paints a nice picture. Oh, Jesus just loves everybody. Is that what it's saying? Now, the word in the Greek is agape. And agape is not a phileo or a feeling kind of love. What the word means in, in agape, it means a giving, a positional type of love. In other words, what God is saying, he says, I'm going to position you. So when he says, I cannot be separated from the love of God, not spiritual, not natural, not physical. I cannot be separated from the spirit of, from the love of God says this. I cannot be separated because the love of God empowers me to go through life and over, be an overcomer. The love of God, because God loves me, he's already paid the price of what I need for my healing. Because God loves me, he's already paid the price for my salvation. Jesus will not unpay what he's already paid. Amen. You can't do it. Amen? You can't make him go back to the cross and do it over again because he didn't do it right for you. No, nope, he won't do it. So basically what has been paid for, that is the price. The, the price for our healing was Jesus on the whipping post being whipped uh, senseless. Uh, you know, he didn't deserve the whipping, but he went through it. Why? Because that was the price that was required for us to be healed. He, didn't, he was nailed to a cross. Why? Because we needed salvation to come back to the Father if the sin has separate us. Jesus didn't have any sin. He didn't need that for himself, but he sacrificed himself because he paid the price because we needed it. So what happens is the Christian lifestyle isn't so much about what we receive, but it's about as much as we can give. The love of God empowers us, enables us, use whatever language you want in that, but he gives it, empowers us to be givers in the house of God, to be givers in the body of Christ, and to give into the world. Amen? And this is what we do. Uh, uh, one of our, uh, our benevolence funds and stuff, we do pay uh, a, 
a fellow, Diane, I know, he's just down, he, was, he works for, for the dive company that we, we dove uh, just about a week or so ago. I guess it was about a week ago now. Uh, his house burned down, lost everything. He was a renter. He was renting a house, and his house burned down. Uh, I got the news immediately. I got with some of our people here. I said, let's, let's write this man out a check, and let's, let's, let's get, the, get some of his stuff back. He had nothing. And he had to go to work. He was a hard worker. Man, I, I knew him. He was a hard worker. And I said, let's, let's get together. And, and, and what happens? Why? Because God moved me to do this stuff because it was in my power to do it. The things that God has told us to do is within our power. And it's not maybe within our convenience, but it might be within our power. If you're waiting for your convenience, well, that's gonna, that, that can change from one moment to the next. Mine to him too. But we're not talking about your convenience. We're not talking about your need we're talking about your capability. I'm still on this love of God, by the way. Okay, nothing. Height nor death, fires, principalities, uh, COVID, uh, sickness, disease, nothing of that, none of that can separate us from the love of God. Sin cannot separate us from the love of God. Do I have your attention? Because we can look back at the cross and that paid the price. Are you here? Amen? So in that respect, no. However, if you continue the lifestyle, then basically what that boils down to, you're separating yourself from God. But the love of God is still intact for any time you want to switch back and repent of those things, the love of God now. So what happens, the love of God empowers me. Use that word empowerment. I, I, I was challenged years ago that for a definition for the word grace. How many of you are familiar with the word grace? And the word grace is this. Uh, we used to say, grace is unmerited favor. How many of you are familiar with that, for that phrase? That was what you used to say in religion. Oh, yeah, it's unmerited favor. But I had a problem with that because it didn't line up with every scripture that, Jesus, that talked about grace. And the scripture didn't line up with the one in Matthew where it says Jesus grew in grace. So can we say Jesus grew in unmerited favor? No. He, he's the only guy that merited it. <laughs> he was sinless. He deserved it. He was from the Father. So because it didn't line up with every definition in the Bible, uh, how about this one? Uh, uh, grace, the empowering presence of God. Paul said this. He said, I grow in grace because of the grace I can overcome. It's an empowerment. The empowering presence of God enabled me to be what he's called me to be so I can do what he's called me to do. Now, what if we switch our determination and we called it grace of God? We can be determined because the grace of God has empowered us to do such things. That's what I'm talking about this morning. It's the grace of God. Empowerment, the empowering presence of God, enabling us. An, an, an ability that we would not have in the natural or on our own, but God enables us. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. I also often notice this, that whenever I entertain wrong things, I actually invite more wrong things to follow. Whenever I entertain them in my head, I entertain my thoughts. But in other words, my internal reality often defines my nature of the exterior. Well, let me say it this way. Luke says it this way. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in there comes out. Praise the Lord. And then what happens is we, God took me to, to Joshua 1, uh, Joshua chapter 1, 5 through 9. Uh, this whole, I'm not going to read the whole thing uh, for sake of time. 
But let me, let's get it. No man shall stand, able, this is what God says to, to, to Joshua, no man will able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And he says this in verse 6, be strong and of good courage. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Verse 9, be strong and of good courage. And then he says this, do not be afraid or dismayed, still in verse 9, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I noticed this phrase through the Bible that wherever God is, okay, with us, when he says, I'm with you wherever you go, I know he has to be with me because the task at hand is going to be so impossible for me to do by myself, it's going to take the intervention of God. But let me back up, let me get, I'm getting ahead of myself, let me get back up. He says, he told... God spoke to Joshua and says, be strong and very courageous. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong, be strong, be strong. Would it be fair of God to ask us, if we looked at the same thing for us, if God said, well, let's say, be strong. Would it be fair for God to give us something that was out of our capabilities of doing? So basically, this being, taking a good courage, being strong, being strong in the faith, being, is within our reach. That part's within our reach. But God says, when you do this, Joshua, I'm going to be with you. Why? Because if I'm not going to be with you, the task at hand is over. Well, you know what the first task they had. Of course, they come across the River Jordan. They come over to Jericho. The first task they had was taking down the walls uh, because it was a fortified city, about 12 foot thick with the walls. They used to run chariot races across the top of them, of the walls. And this seemed like an impossible task. If somebody was out there with, a, with modern tools and a jackhammer, it would be an impossible task to break through that thing before the, his troops would be annihilated. But when he did it God's way and he marched around the city, you know the story, seven times and blew the trumpet, tried to show far and blew the shofar, and God caused a rumbling and the walls fell flat. He says, Joshua could go back and think about this. God says, I'll be with you. In other words, I'll be with you. So the intervention of God is absolutely imperative and it's necessary even today in which we live today. The, the, the presence of God is, is, is absolutely essential. I like with Jesus. I like the example they give of Jesus in Acts ten thirty eight. Acts ten thirty eight says this is how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with a Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Praise the Lord! I'm very glad God is with them this morning. Can we say that God is with them? I shared about Nehemiah. How Nehemiah said, "The joy of the Lord is my strength." He says, oh, I shared this earlier, where he talks about every worker had a weapon on his side, and he, he said, the, when the shofar blew, I had, had Raphael do the shofar. He said, we will assemble where at the sound of the shofar. There's something about the sound of a trumpet that God likes. Because how many know Jesus is coming back someday, and guess what he's going to come back with? This, at the sound of the trumpet. The sound of the trumpet for God means intervention, it means victory, it means overcoming. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. As um, our boys were studying, boys are men now, but I mean, as the guys were, were studying for, for the shofar to do the blast on the shofar, I noticed something about the shofar blast. That we couldn't find one for retreating. <laughs> there's one for attack, there's one for jubilee, there's one for, but there was not, never uh, 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 for, for retreating. In other words, uh, 
get out, go, 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 scare, run, 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 run the opposite direction. There was never a, a shofar blast for that. God didn't give him that communication. Praise the Lord. Amen. Last scripture I'm going to give you this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. I'm going to say that. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all we are of all men miserable, or the word there, miserable, uh, means in the Greek to be, pit- to be pitied, uh, to be, uh, have pity upon. Praise the Lord. How many got some other word this morning? Amen. Amen. Glory. So praise the Lord. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Jesus. I'm out of time, and um, praise the Lord. Worked out. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's go before the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as we go forth to this word this morning, as it says in your word, Lord, when you come back, will you find faith in the earth? We know that the Bible says you're going to look at your church first. And Father, we just thank you. Let your church this morning, I'm not talking about just church, covenant word church in Key West, but Lord, churches across, church corporately around the world, that Lord, this be an hour of finding faith in the name of Jesus. And to have a determination to be able to revisit the things we thought impossible. We thought impossible, but God said very possible. Uh, Matter of fact, very doable. Matter of fact, his will. And let's revisit those things this morning in the name of Jesus. We dig our heels in. Paul says it best this way in Ephesians. He said, when you've done all to stand, when you've done all to stand, stand therefore with your loins geared about with the truth. When you've done all to stand, what do we do after we've done everything we do to stand? We keep on standing and we keep on understanding. That's the determination that we're talking about this morning. So, Father, can we commit to you this morning? We are determined for the will of God to go forth in our, in our land. We determined, Father God, this morning for the will of God to be done in Key West. We're determined, Father, to be hooked up with what you have, to be hooked up with your presence. In Jesus' name, we give you the praise. And everybody in church said, Amen. Amen.